This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the first time or is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. However, if you are feeling brave and you just want to dive in, then please do not let us stop you. Here at Get Started Investing, we unpack all the jargon and confusing bits, hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating and we want to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce and as always, I am joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm good, Bryce. Good to be back for another week talking global investing. Uh, Excited to uh, round this series out. Absolutely. We get excited when we talk global because there are plenty of opportunities beyond just Australia as we have outlined in the last two episodes. If you have just joined us, make sure you go back and start uh, on episode one where we chat why you should be thinking about going global. Uh, but in today's episode, we're going to be having a look at some of the key considerations that you should be thinking about when you are building a global portfolio. Just a reminder that over the last two episodes, we have covered the why, you know, why we think it is important to think beyond Australia as it is only 2% of the global stock market, such a small opportunity compared to the enormous opportunity that is out there in the big bad world. And also in the second episode, we covered the how. We looked at the different ways that you can invest in overseas market, be it through direct shares, be it through uh, you know listed passive products or backing the professionals. So today, it's all about key considerations when actually doing it. But Ren, before we jump into that uh, exciting news, as we discussed in the last episode, and that is the Get Started Investing book is available for pre-order. That's it. That's it. Exciting times here at Equity Mates. We've uh, distilled everything we've learned over the last four and a half years into the uh, one-stop guide you need to uh, understand the market, cut through all the jargon, all the confusing bits, and uh, I guess take control of your own investing journey. That's it. Available now at booktopia.com.au. It's also on Amazon, but uh, make sure you go and pre-order that so it is in your hot little hands when it launches on the 31st of August 
And uh, yeah, please support Equity Mates if you've enjoyed everything that we're doing here. Uh, one way that you can certainly support is by buying the book for yourself, for your family, and for your friends. So in this episode, yeah. Now I think you know the important thing is we in the last episode we spoke about three different ways you could invest overseas uh, directly in passive uh, ETFs or in uh, or by backing the professionals, I should say. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of the key considerations uh, when you're investing overseas. And I think it's important to say off the top that these are considerations, whichever way you decide to invest overseas, directly, passively in indexes or through managed funds and backing the professionals. A lot of this stuff is relevant, uh, however you decide to do it. So I think that's probably the key thing to hit off the top. In terms of what we're actually going to talk about in this episode, we're going to talk about currency and then the famous question that is often asked, uh, should I be hedged or unhedged? We're also going to explain those terms so you understand what it means. We're going to talk about where to find information and some of our favorite sources to find information about overseas companies. And then we're going to finish with some factors to keep in mind and really consider when actually building a portfolio that that may include international investments. Well, without further ado, we should crack into it, Ren. So you started there by saying currency risk, and you're right. When you're looking at ETFs, uh, particularly, I'm sure you will have seen the terminology hedged or unhedged against uh, an ETF that you're looking at. And that is in reference to, to currency and mitigating the risk of currency. So let's do a bit of a pardon the jargon here because we can't really move on without explaining what this really means. So, Well, let's even take a step back before we define those terms in just when we're talking about investing in Australia, everything is priced in Australian dollars. That that makes a lot of sense. That's That's pretty obvious. When you're buying American shares, they're listed in US dollars. When you're thinking about buying you know, shares in the UK, they're listed in British pounds. That's probably the key establishing fact that, you know, every stock market is priced in its local currency. And then the second thing is that currencies are constantly moving against each other. If you watch the finance section and you see Alan Kohler talk about the Australian dollar uh, strengthened 2% against the US dollar overnight or the New Zealand dollar weakened against the British pound overnight. Like that, that is because the way that our currencies work is that they are constantly being bought and sold by, you know, traders, by big banks, by companies that are doing, um, foreign deals and, and trading with foreign companies, the value of different currencies is is constantly moving against each other. And that means that if we're buying something in US dollars, if we're buying you know shares in Apple that are priced in US dollars, and we're over here in Australia, there are two things that affect the price that you know we see. The first is the share price performance of Apple. And then as Australians, the second thing is how the Australian dollar and the US dollar are moving against each other. Yeah, and that's something that you just absolutely cannot control unless you start thinking about this terminology around hedging or unhedging your investments. So, 
let's start with hedged, I guess, Ren. And uh, we will pardon the jargon here, but you might see, for example, if you're buying an ETF that has exposure to the S&P 500, you might have an option that is hedged or you might have an option that is unhedged. If you're going to be taking a hedged option, really what it means is that there are strategies in place uh, by the the issuer or the the fund manager to remove any of the impacts that, Ren, you've just spoken about when it comes to currency fluctuations. So at the end of the day, the only thing that is affecting your investment return is the actual performance of the ETF and the underlying companies itself rather than the change in currency as well. So hedging is really uh, taking away that currency risk and basing it in your local home currency. Mm. So if we use my Apple example from earlier where I'm buying shares in Apple and as an Australian, I two things affect my return. Firstly, how Apple goes on the US stock market. And then secondly, how the... Australian dollar and the US dollar move against each other. In a if if I was buying a hedged investment fund like a hedged ETF, the fund manager is doing the work to mitigate the currency movements and so the only thing that me, you know, me sitting in Australia is affected by uh, in my investment is just how the investment moves in the US market. So the the flip side of that really is unhedged and that's where you're just buying it straight out. You're buying Apple and you're, you're, you're aware that changes in currency between Australian dollar and the US dollar may affect your uh, investment return in both a positive or a negative way, but um, you're just letting that, that run. So that is primarily the difference between hedged and unhedged. Yeah. Now, a question that we commonly see in our Instagram DMs in the Equity Mates Facebook discussion group is what's better, hedged or unhedged? Mm. And the the simple answer, the simple but unsatisfactory answer, I think we can say, is that there's not there's not a clean answer to that question and and that's because there are times where let's say we're an Australian investor investing in US shares there's times where being unhedged is really good where if the Australian dollar is getting stronger against the US dollar then being unhedged is a boost to your returns but on the flip side, if the Australian dollar gets weaker against the US dollar, then being unhedged can be uh, a drag on your returns. And, you know, currency markets are inc- incredibly complex. People a lot smarter than us spend a lot of time trying to forecast what will happen. But th- there's not a clean answer to say, like, one's a better investment than the other, which is why there are there are choices so i i think that the f- the first thing to say here is that there's not a clean answer about which is better it depends on how the currencies move against each other which is incredibly hard to forecast but there are pros and cons of each um so i think let's go through the pros and cons and then talk about how the two have worked historically so people have a bunch of information but Ultimately, unfortunately, 
there's not a clean answer to which one you should choose. Okay, Ren. So the pros and cons of hedging, and this is from finder.com.au, not sponsored. So the pros of hedging are, again, a reminder that we're trying to mitigate the risk of currency fluctuations. So you're locking in an exchange rate, and that is fixed, regardless of what happens to that exchange rate uh, beyond the point of you purchasing, it doesn't matter, which then means that you're not going to be affected by currency movements so really, what does that mean? Well, it's just one less thing to worry about when it comes to investing overseas. If you don't want to have to think about the relationship between the Aussie dollar and the US or the pound, this is one way to remove that um, that worry. So those are the those are the pros. Ren, uh, do you want to have a do you want to run through some of the the cons to consider if you're looking at hedged versus unhedged? Yeah. So the the first con is if the currency that you hold the investments in, so say it's US dollars, has strengthened against the Aussie dollar. So that's boosted your returns. You you don't see any of that benefit if you're hedged. And then, so that's, that's one downside. But then the second downside is that hedged uh, investment products generally uh, have a higher management fee. And that's because the fund manager has to do extra work uh, to take out the currency risk. And so that comes with a higher management fee. So so that's probably the main con. I guess to, to, to sum it up, the pro of hedging is it's one less thing to worry about. The con is it's a bit more expensive. Mm. So um, if it comes to your investments and you are presented with an opportunity to choose between a hedged or unhedged product, which way do you generally swing? So me personally, I I think there's been a bunch of research on uh, the difference over the long term between hedged and unhedged products. This is something that I pulled out from the AFR, which I think I've taken on board given that I'm thinking about investing for, you know, 20, 30 years. So from the AFR, over the long term, 10-year cycle, the differential performance of hedged and unhedged tends to be similar by the very extreme point of under or overvaluation of the Australian dollar. And from the AFR, they say a no-no is to put the cart before the horse. That is a currency view determining global equity exposure. So for me, I think you know and i think i think this is the important takeaway that over the long term and it's important to stress over the long term um the difference between hedged and unhedged products normally uh nets out and that's really because the australian dollar tr- generally trades within a range if we use the australian dollar us dollar example the australian dollar is normally about 70 cents for every one US dollar. And I remember there's been times in our lifetime where we almost got to parity or we did get to parity where one Australian dollar was worth one US dollar. That was around the global financial crisis from memory. Yeah, we were at uni. At that time, when it was one one Australian dollar buys one US dollar, the Australian dollar was really strong. The US dollar was really weak. At that point, it would have made sense to buy US shares because then as the Australian dollar got weaker, 
investments that you held in US dollars would have been worth more and more because the US dollar was getting stronger, regardless of how the investments were going. There are times when the US dollar is then killing it against the Australian dollar. And um, as an Australian, everything, you have to spend more to buy anything in the US. But but over the long term, generally, the Australian dollar goes back into that that sort of mid 70 cents range against the US dollar. And I think this research from the AFR, a bunch of other research sort of points to the fact that if you're not buying it at either extreme and you're just buying it somewhere in the middle, over the long term, the currencies fluctuate, but it sort of all levels out. And so that's sort of the view that I take about it. I, I'm i not one to constantly be checking the exchange rates unless I'm hearing in the news or reading in the news that you know we're at some extreme. I am generally not too concerned but obviously that's because my strategy is is my strategy and so like different strategies think about currency risk in different ways but you asked how I think about it and that's that's sort of the the research that I rely on when I'm thinking about that what about you yeah I'm the same I I I don't really um, worry too much about it particularly if you're trading in small sums as well like if you're trading millions and millions of dollars you might want to consider it a little bit more but Given the, what history shows and the research, um, it's not something that I, you know, lose sleep over at night. I think it's also worth pointing out, Ren, that through a lot of the brokers uh, here in Australia, that you can buy direct individual shares on on the exchanges uh, in America or New Zealand, and of course, those are in the currencies of those countries: New Zealand dollars or um, USD. In those situations, if you're buying directly Spotify or directly Apple, you don't actually get the choice to hedge or not. You're just taking an unhedged position. What we're talking about here is if you are looking at products that are curated for overseas exposure, such as some of the ETFs and some fund manager products. So um, if you are buying direct shares, keep in mind you're taking an unhedged position. So so I just I, I'm just thinking back to how I was explaining it and I think I may have made a mistake, which I know is confusing in in the opening of this episode, the very simple well not not simple, this I know this can this can get confusing, but I think I got the the relationship the wrong way around with a strong Aussie dollar and a a strong foreign currency. When I was explaining the Apple example, if I owned Apple shares in US dollars and the US dollar gets stronger against the Australian dollar, that gives me a boost to my investments. I think I said it the other way around earlier in this episode. So I just wanted to clarify that. Thanks, um, thanks for clarifying, Ren. I can't remember what you said. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think you listened to what I say. <laughs> but what you said there is correct. So... Um, First consideration when investing globally, currency, um, it may sound daunting, but the key thing is it's not. Um, the next couple of things that we want to touch on are where to find information about investing globally and some of the factors when building a portfolio. But before we do, we'll just take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, Ren, there is no doubt that there is plenty of information out there, both on the Australian market and on markets all around the world. So what we want to do now is just go through some of the platforms and sources of information that we use when uh, making decisions on investments overseas. And of course, you can't start with, um, you know, the, the platforms in terms of Yahoo Finance, Google Finance, both chockers with information on uh, global markets and companies. Yeah, well, I think the the key headline for me when we're talking about finding information is that most platforms that you use to find information these days won't be confined geographically. You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the sources of market information that we use and that we know the Equinimates community uses, and there's not a lot out there these days that will just just have information on Australian stocks or just have information on US stocks. You know, you mentioned Yahoo Finance and Google Finance. They're they're both global repositories of information. Like they have information about stocks all around the world. And I think that's just generally the way the world's going now. The internet, this is meaningless to say everyone knows this, but the internet has made, you know, information truly global and that is that is very true with most sources of information you find about the stock market. You know, if even if we take the approach of um, looking at some global news sources that we, we use, I mean... Well, now here's, here's the exception to that rule. Here's where things become more geographically based. Yeah, although I was just thinking, like, I love the AFR, the Australian Financial Review here in Australia. It is, um, it is paywalled, but... Uh, we so we think it's worth the subscription. They do have um, sections for international markets. So, yeah, yeah. Here's something I found out about the AFR recently. It may not be true, but I was hearing an AFR journalist being interviewed. Apparently, the AFR is the most expensive news subscription in the world. Oh wow! Did you, did you know that? <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. Now, obviously, do your own research because I've heard that secondhand, but it's from a. AFR journalist, but um, yeah, that really surprised me. Um, but yeah, so for mine, when I'm thinking about news, yeah, like there's some great sources of local news and, you know, you mentioned the AFR, they obviously do speak about global stocks, but not in the depth that, you know, papers in local countries talk about those stocks. The one exception when you're talking about financial news may be the Wall Street Journal. Now, the Wall Street Journal is paywalled like nothing else, mm. but, you know, they uh, try and be more global and probably the one that sits above that is probably the Financial Times. But when you're talking about news sources, just by the nature of the news business, a lot of them are quite domestically focused Um and so the, you need to have a think about where you want to invest and what news you're reading. Some some news organisations like Bloomberg um, and I guess Yahoo Finance News um, are, are getting better at being truly global. The New York Times is opening bureaus in other places. Um, 
but yeah, I think I think when we're talking about news sources, um, this is where curation of the information you get becomes really important. Yeah. Now we did a an episode uh, on finding information as part of the twelve part series at the start of this podcast. So um, go back and have a listen to that for more detail. But two sources that are our favourites at the moment uh, and worth having a look at if you're looking for sort of specific stock information and going a little bit deeper than, you know, what's just going on at a macro level. Uh, and that is simply Wall Street. Um, they're a, an organization that provides uh, a whole heap of uh, data around companies, particularly focusing on valuation, competitive advantage, um, taking in a whole lot of broker research, external broker research, um, and compiling it into a a reasonably easy way for you to uh, digest. Um, and then our favorite, Ren, is Ticker, T-I-K-R. Um, it's in beta stage at the moment and you need to get onto an exclusive waitlist to use it. Luckily, we do have a code for those who would like to get on, ticker.com slash equitymates if you would like to try this. But it's just got all the information that you need to make uh, decisions around the financial health of a company. They've got everything from all of, you know, all the company reports on there, transcripts from uh, earnings calls. And not only is it uh, giving access to all of that information for Australian stocks, but stocks all over the world. So it's incredibly comprehensive. So definitely go and check out Ticker, T-I-K-R. Yeah. And it's free, which is which is just great. Yeah, amazing. So, <laughs> so uh, yes, finding information, definitely make sure that you're reading widely and uh, aware also of, of um, the limitations of what you might be reading in terms of uh, geography, but certainly go back and have a listen to the episode where we go a little bit deeper. To close out, Ren. A lot of that information is if you want to do your own research and invest globally on your own, and then I, we mentioned it in the last episode, but I think if you're thinking about investing in ETFs, um, the ASX has a lot of good information about what ETFs are available uh, in Australia. And I, I can't go past the ETF issuers' websites themselves. So, you know, Vanguard's website, um, iShares or BlackRock's website, ETF Securities website, VanX website, BetaShares website. I think I covered them all. I don't want to leave anyone out. Um, they, you know, for each individual fund, they publish a whole lot of information. So if you want to do research on passive ETFs, ASX and the issuers themselves are great resources. And then finally, if you want to back the professionals, um, we mentioned this in the last episode as well, but Morningstar do a lot of research on all the different managed investment products that are listed on the ASX. And I think they're, they're a good starting point to start your research on the different options that are out there. So when it comes to building a portfolio globally, there are a couple of, uh, I guess, uh, smaller factors to consider. The first being, Ren, that it is often or it can feel incredibly overwhelming with uh, the choice that is out there in terms of investing overseas. So you do need to be able to try and narrow your investable universe in some way. Uh, and we think there are a couple of ways in which we you can do that. 
I think, well, how many stocks are there? 600,000 stocks around the world to choose from. Something yeah, amazing. No, I I am just Googling this. Apparent, uh, that's what I thought it was, like 630,000, but I'm reading 41,000, which is oh, a wow, big difference. Oh, wow, that's a huge difference. Okay, well, yeah. uh, we need to figure that out. But look, there's a lot. Uh, you're certainly not going to be investing in all 40,000. So one way that you can... Um, narrow your universe is to use a, a stock screener. Again, we have spoken about these before, but really they're a way for you to, there's plenty available online. Morningstar have, have some. Um, some of your brokers uh, have, you know, high level stock screeners, but really what it allows you to do is filter down a huge list of stocks uh, based on a number of metrics that are important to you, be it market capitalization, be it profit growth, be it revenue growth. There are a number of key ways that you can filter down stocks based on your investment strategies. So um, think about that. But I think an easier way, specifically if you're at the start of your investing journey, is to think about your circle of competence, Ren. Yes. Yeah. um, An important term that doesn't get spoken enough in investing circles you can't be an expert in everything and there's plenty of things that are just beyond our technical knowledge or you know we don't have the time or the energy or, or the information to, to really become an expert in it. And if you can't if you don't really know something that well, or you don't if you're not, you know, really certain about an industry or a particular company, um, why are you trusting your money with it? And this concept of circle of competence is just being very clear on what you know and what you understand and investing in that world, not in the world of everything else. And like, you know, if I, if, if I speak personally, you know, things like mining explorers, like I am just not a geologist. I just don't, I don't have the inclination to try and learn all that stuff um, how to forecast success of different mining exploration operations and different things like that. And so for me, it's just something that's not in my circle of competence and it's not an area of the market that I invest in. And, and I think in terms of narrowing your investing universe down, being very clear about the industries that you know and the industries that you don't know about um, really helps you decide what you're going to invest in and what you're not going to invest in. And that doesn't mean you can't get exposure to industries that aren't in your circle of competence, but that's when you say, all right, well, it's not in my circle of competence, but maybe I can find a professional manager who knows it better. And so that's, um, yeah, that's, that's the idea of circle of competence. Well, for you, Bryce, I mean, you are known as the retail whisperer in Australian stock market circles. <laughs> so for you, like your circle of competence would just really be a big ring around any retailer <laughs> true yeah do love a good retail stock but yeah you're right um i don't know anything about uh oh like for an example a, a industry that i would say is not in my circle of competence would be like biotech there's a lot of complicated uh advances in technology going on there and uh, it takes a long time to get your head around that compared to a traditional uh retailer so yeah you're right um <laughs> Retail is certainly in my circle of competence. Another, a few other things um, to close out when it comes to building a portfolio overseas. We've spoken plenty of times about diversification. Um, that does that really means uh, 
just because you can invest over in the States, don't then just go and pile all of your money into the States because you're then not really diversifying. So just make sure that you are considering um, how diversified your portfolio is uh, across geographies. I think there's another aspect to diversification as well, which is like industry diversification. So let's take Bryce, the retail whisperer, can tell you everything about, you know, stocking shelves and uh, the transition to bricks and clicks e-commerce retail, like knows it like the back of his hand, had a budding career as a retail CEO before he threw it all in to become a full-time podcaster. If he is saying, I know retail so well, so I'm going to invest in Amazon and Walmart and Kroger in the US, um, Tesco in the UK, Alibaba and Pinduoduo in China, Coles, Woolworths, JB Hi-Fi in Australia. Like he's globally diversified, but he's all in on the retail industry. And so if something affects the global retail industry, for example, COVID shutting down a lot of physical retail locations around the world, then all of his retail holdings around the world are affected or, or, you know, if there's a disruption to global supply chains or if there's some super disruptive retailer that, you know, if Elon Musk creates a brain chip that we can then just order toilet paper and bananas by thinking about them, that affects, that disrupts like the global retail industry. So diversification across geographies is important, but also just being mindful about like what risks your global portfolio is exposed to and are they all exposed to the same, same risks. So diversification across industries, I think is an important one to consider as well. Speaking of risk, another thing that a factor that you want to consider are macro factors or risks. And what we mean by that is really the high, high level changes or inputs that are, that are affecting economic performance, business performance in countries. So you're thinking things like what are interest rates doing in uh, other countries? You know, what are the, what's the currency doing? Uh, what is the political situation like? Is there likely to be huge upheaval that is going to impact how um, investments in your businesses perform? Plenty of things to consider beyond just the uh, individual performance of, of the companies that you're investing in when it comes to investing overseas. So, yeah, be, be considerate of uh, the broader economic performance of some of the countries that you're considering to invest in. Yeah, a, cl- a classic example of that is China uh, at the moment. There's a number of market analysts are expecting that China, the Chinese central bank increases interest rates before the rest of the world. And um, I was reading some stuff from Morgan Stanley recently, and they were saying that that expectation is part of the reason why China's having a bit of a soft period. Their soft mu- stock market is a little bit softer than the rest of the world. And so that's like a country-specific factor that is affecting Chinese stocks that um, isn't affecting, you know, like Australian stocks and stuff like that. And so if you are going to be thinking about investing globally in the same way that changes in Australia's tax law or changes from Australia's reserve bank affect Australian stocks, you do just have to be mindful of what's going on in these other countries. Because if you pick a great stock, but there's something in that country that, that hurts, hurts its, um, hurts its outlook, then then that, that will matter. A couple of 
couple others just to close out. Uh, we've spoken about finding information. There is plenty of information out there, though. So the important thing that we try and do here at Equity Mates is to get a good flow of information that removes as much of the noise and the chit chat about you know day to day market commentary as possible, and really focuses in on the information that matters the information that matters for your investments and uh, for some of the countries that you're investing in. Yes, it does take a while to find that information flow and it is it is easy to get caught up in a lot of the noise and then the sensationalist news headlines, but um, trying to find that flow that uh, suits your investment style and the information that you're trying to get um, is really important. Yeah, and then I think the the final one is, uh, and this is a nice note to end on, is just know what you're buying. Like, there's that. This is this is relevant whether you're just investing in Australia or whether you're investing overseas. But with so much choice, with so many different products and fund managers and companies to choose from, it's just really important to look under the hood and make sure you what you're buying is what you think you're buying. And and for me, the, the best example of this is the MSCI All World Index, which is advertised as having stocks from 23 developed markets and 27 emerging markets. And it is, like, don't get me wrong, that is exactly what it has. But if you look under the hood, you'll see that 60% of the, uh, of the index is American stocks. And so it, its performer, its performance uh, year on year will be really driven by the U.S. stocks that make up the majority of its of the fund, um, and not so much by the other forty nine countries that together make up the remaining forty percent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that that one that's an example where I am just always reminded to really understand exactly what's under the hood when I'm buying some of these things. Nice, Rin. Well, that brings us to the end of our three-part series on going global. Uh, Hopefully by now you can understand why it's important to go global when you're investing uh, or starting out your investing journey. Hopefully you now know how to go global and some of the ways that you can make investments overseas and also some of the key considerations to investing globally. Um, Plenty to think about there, but look, the key message really is don't just think Australia is the only opportunity. There's plenty more out there. So hopefully you've enjoyed that. We will be chatting next week to uh, an expert from Magellan who um, are very, very good at investing globally. They have a couple of global funds that we've already spoken about and they're going to be coming on to uh, close out this series on global investing. So looking forward to that one. A reminder that if you love what we're doing here at Get Started Investing and at Equity Mates, leaving a review and a rating uh, on your podcast app is always a big help for us in growing the show and uh, getting it in front of more people. So we would appreciate a five-star review if possible and uh, some commentary as well. Otherwise, you can hit us up at contact at equitymates.com if you'd like to hit us up with a question or some feedback. But otherwise, Ren, great to chat stocks as always and we'll pick it up next week. Yeah, sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. 
The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.